Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Hello, friends again. And James says again because he uh, decided to stop the recording moments ago and didn't tell any of us. And Maddie and I just kept going. But uh, nevertheless, we are recording this time. I was and, wondering why uh, you're talking in third as, person. You were like, James, is that? I'm like, I'm, you can just say you or hey. But I guess you thought you were talking to other people. That is correct. We are talking to other people. And uh, Maddie is also joining us on this journey to talk to other people. Hello, Maddie. Yo. We got a packed show because something has happened in the world of professional sports that doesn't happen very often. And that is the Toronto Maple Leafs advancing to the second round. Something I didn't know if I'd ever live to see ever again. But it has happened. And we are going to cover all of it and all the implications in the second round as well as they are now officially playing the Florida Panthers in the second round. We'll discuss all of that and a whole lot more. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, who we will talk a bit more about later. But first, gentlemen, we should discuss how our week has been and what has been going on in our lives in the past week since we last gathered to discuss things on this show. Uh, James, we'll start with you. Uh, I there's nothing really to discuss. I mean, the week has has been the emotional roller coaster of hockey fandom in this city. So it's that's that's been it. It's been from nervous. I don't even know what the word is. Like after losing game five, you think you you think this is it, and it's like, oh boy, here we go again. And then you spend the rest of the week just waiting. And that's it, man. Just waiting. So that's all I did. I just waited. I stared. I sat there. I just stared at the TV until the game started again. I just, that was it. TV off. It was yeah. <laughs> just time to go on at the time of the game. For game time. Then <laughs> it just hit the power on the remote. So, sir, time. you haven't left that spot in 48 hours. I know. <laughs> just sitting at a bar. Same seat. Yeah, no, um, I did do one thing. One thing that I've been... Okay, fuck. (laughs) Can I say something? I've been trying to order Mary Browns for my family because I wanted Mary Browns for dinner. And Uber Eats wouldn't fucking work, right? So I had to switch to skip the dishes. So I just got a notification on my phone. (laughs) And it goes, still craving Mary Browns? Join Uber One and enjoy $0 delivery. It's like, hey, buddy, if I could order from your fucking app, I might consider it. But I've already moved on to the competitor. Um... No, I did do a thing uh, that I've been I've been thinking about doing for a while, and I went out and I pulled the trigger, and I bought myself an Austin Matthews Young Gun. Oh, uh, he did it! I did it. Um, I, hold on, for the uninitiated, what's a Young Gun? So, an Austin Matthews Young Gun is his rookie card. It is the generally accepted there in in sports cards. There are two for hockey. There are two main rookie cards that people will chase. The run, the one being the Young Gun, which comes out of Upper Deck's main set, and then the Future Watch Auto, which comes out of their SP Authentic series, um, and those are numbered to 999, and those are kind of the the gold standard of, of rookie cards. So now, an Austin Matthews Future Watch Auto is somewhere in the 
multiple thousands of dollars. Um, I was able to get a good deal on this Young Guns rookie card. It was uh, graded by the the standard company PSA. It's graded a nine. However, um, the the guy at my local card shop, Relics again, shout out to Relics, Dave, said that a lot of those are getting their so they encase them in slabs for protection and to secure the the grading and to basically register the card in a system so that you know it's authentic and yada yada yada. A lot of people have been cracking those slabs on the Austin Matthews nines, sending them back in, and they're coming back tens. So I'm going to take it to him in the shop, have him take a look at it, see if it's worth cracking, and I might resubmit it. But I got a really good deal on it, and I'm happy. When I went to the card show the other week, I saw the same card selling for double what I paid for, which made me very happy. I mean, it's probably a little bit of Toronto tax on that because, you know, selling Toronto cards in Toronto during a sports card expo, it's a little more popular, right? So like I was talking to a guy and he was saying, if you want cheap Toronto cards, go to the card show in Montreal because nobody's buying them, right? So they price them accordingly. That's Um, a good point. Right? Because I personally collect Wendell Clark cards. So, um yeah, I did that, and I I bought it, and I've kind of been waiting all week for it to come in, and when it came in, like, there, as soon as I held it, I was like, there's zero buyer's remorse, and uh, I'm very happy with it. And then, he's, then he potted two in game five. Was it game five he potted two? Uh, no, four. Game four. Yeah, because game and, five would have been the first elimination game. Yeah, and then he scored again. Uh, we'll talk, we'll get to that too, but then it... it it made me feel good about this card. So, so I'm, what you're but, trying to say is you're the reason the Leafs won. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually, think I'm the reason the Leafs won, but I, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but that's me. That's my. I've been waiting on the TV and then just staring at the. I've been holding the card like this, just like I'm like waiting for the waiting for the game to start. I like it. You sound like okay. So, a couple buddies of mine. Go, used to or and they still try to but you know life has gotten in the way they used to go to like every smash event smash wrestling and when they went to the shows they would have like nicknames for like all the uh strange people in the crowd we'll say like they used to call <laughs> like this one guy like hat guy and they would call this one guy sad shorts um i, I don't know why his name is sad shorts i think just because he always looks sad and he wears shorts um I think I Anyways, know who that is. <laughs> there's, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if if you hear enough of their descriptions, you can probably figure out who they're talking about. But they said there was always this one guy who had like a binder of eight by tens, and eight by ten guy. Eight by <laughs> well, I don't know if they called him eight by ten guy, but it's probably a good name like if he was uh, name. needing a name. <sighs> so, anyways, there, at intermission, he got one of his uh, binder of eight by tens signed by a female competitor. And they said for the rest of the show, he wasn't even watching what was going on in the ring. He was just staring at the 8x10. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm envisioning now with you, staring at your Austin You're a weird Matthews guy, Ace. Weird guy. <laughs> accurate. That's probably the most accurate use of that sound clip. Yeah, I, dude, I, no. Um, actually, <laughs> I say no. no, but it sat, it sat right in front of me on the coffee table for a good three days <laughs> while I was like... It had breakfast with him. It, yeah, it, it, with didn't, him. it didn't leave my sight. And it's an expensive he card. He actually like, took the card and put it under his pillowcase so he can say he slept with Austin Matthews. Yes. And I mean, I, I would, even if it wasn't the card. Um, the... <laughs> 
it, it's an exp- so at the at the expo it was selling for between eight hundred and nine hundred dollars, and I paid significantly less than that. Um, very happy. I sniped it on eBay because my theory was, um, I, so I shouldn't be telling people this, but whatever. Uh, one of the keys to to winning good eBay auctions is look for ones that end at the weirdest fucking times right like so this one ended at like six o'clock on a friday you know people are making dinner with their families going home going like nobody's watching this shit so i mean you get notifications on your phone when you get outbid it's not like you need to be like glued to your laptop as the time's ticking down yeah well no you only get it at 15 minutes so and most people like if they're out and about or busy they're not looking they they miss that window so I literally yeah, like have you're driving yeah. or, you know, making dinner, like you said, or something like that. Like you put your phone down for two minutes and it's like, you're fucked. Yeah. So anyway, very happy. Uh, I nabbed that and then just been entering a couple breaks, trying to chase down Drew Jones in Bowman baseball. Who's the son of Andrew Jones and is the number one chase prospect in this year's baseball cards. Um, so much so that Dave and Adams card world, the store in the States has offered, if you get his, what they call a, a super refractor, which is like a really rare card with his autograph, they're offering $250,000 on the spot and up to a million. If he becomes a hall of famer, if he becomes a hall of famer. Okay. So, so you essentially have to hold on to the card until for the next 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, they're going to give you $250,000 that day. And then oh, if he becomes then, another okay, 750 so if he Hall of Fames. Yeah. And then so it's, okay. like, it's like a trust fund. Yeah, sort of. And then I've been watching um, on Netflix. I was like, I did nothing. And then here I am doing all these things. Uh, there's a, a new show that if you're interested in sports and sports collectibles, it's called The King of Collectibles or King of Collections. And it's about um, Ken Golden and Golden Auctions. Um, and you might know him because not because of Ken Golden, but because of Drake. He was the guy that flew out to Toronto to sit with Drake and open a bunch of basketball cards looking for the LeBron triple logo man card. And they ended up... So the show is very much like Pawn Stars. It's it's very like... There's there's like a drama element to it. And there's definitely acting. And I, kind, that I kind of do. bothered me. Hmm? <laughs> That's uh, I don't know, man. That's the best I can do. <laughs> right yeah it's got it's got that kind of like element to it like storage wars so that turned me off when i watched it but because i was hoping it was a docu-series but it was cool to see like he it, a certain side of that kind of business so the first episode they have a jackie robinson jersey they're trying to auction which like had jackie robinson's blood on it which is like fucking crazy um but they he so the LeBron triple logo man is a card that had three different NBA logos in it from each of his three places he played so uh, Cleveland Miami and LA and it's a one of one so there's only one card that exists and it's from a, a series called National Treasures so it's super super expensive to break and I guess Drake probably spent like a couple hundred thousand dollars breaking a bunch of these trying to find the LeBron triple logo man. And he didn't. Um, but Ken golden, he's like, I got this client Drake and I got to make sure he's happy. So he bought him uh, a box of, I think was it was 80, 87 or 80, I think it's 87 or 86 Fleer. I forget what it is for Jordan's rookie. 
and Lo- and Drake pulled a Jordan rookie um, in the box. So it's it's cool to see how Ken's like. I can't sit here and have LeBron pull junk. Like I have to make sure he's or Drake pull junk. I have to make sure he's happy. So he brings him a case of or a box of expensive cards so that he can find a, a rookie Jordan. And Drake's like ecstatic. You know, he he's like he fucking forgot about LeBron immediately. So it's kind of cool. Like if you want to check out and you like collectibles and stuff, it's like, like six episodes. I'm only watched the first one, but it's kind of neat. Maddie, how about you? Same thing. I bought stuff. Like I'm in no position to really be buying stuff right now. I've got like an expensive year coming up because like I got like vacation. Like we're going back to Korea in like March or sorry May next year, and I think we're gonna we were supposed to go in September this year, but can't swing it, so we may do Ireland in like August. But I bought. I finally got myself a pair of the Dunk High Pandas, the Nikes, and been trying so long to get them but every time they restock and it's not like they're did one run and that was it it was they constantly restock it's just they sell out almost immediately so i finally got a pair very excited to get those to me on this week and i got too many my shoe collections slowly growing and it's kind of embarrassing like when you walk into my i don't know about slowly to be honest with you i feel like it's just growing (laughs) rapidly growing Jim can attest to this. When you walk in, there's like three shoe racks in my front hall. Literally all mine. Yeah, there's probably 30 pairs of shoes in the hallway. And that's just the ones that like I go through the rotation and like I'll grab when I go out somewhere. And I'm like, I'm going to wear these ones, wear these ones, these ones. I sell a bunch in the closet that are like the really nice. Like I have the OG origin stories. The ones that Miles Morales wore in Into the Spider-Verse. So I, I have mean, no, I remember the movie, but I couldn't tell you the footwear that Miles Morales is wearing. So he wore Jordans in the movie and then Nike Jordan made the same shoe from the movie. And like it was like boxing into the Spider-Verse. They're designed from the movie based off that it was like a collaboration. So I have those. I have my Gorge Greens that are green and silver that are in the closet. I have my Gundam Dunk Highs, my Gundam Unicorn Dunk Highs. I want to get the Banshee Norns next, but those are like $600. I'm just looking at a Google image of these uh, Spider-Man Jordans, and they're pretty cool looking. So I'm not, so, I can't even lie. So are they the new ones, though? Because they're oh, doing. Oh, I don't them. know. So, so it's, the, a, it's a black base with like red trim and then a white Nike logo. And, those, and the black trim has like spider webs in it. This okay, might no. be a made up one altogether. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just looking at Google images. No, I'll post them in our thing. Um, but yeah, like. The rare or ones that I want to keep cleanest, I keep in the, the closet. Like I spray them down, I wipe them down after I wear them and everything like that. But yeah, I finally got myself um, the pandas. Watch the Leaf game. Uh, what else? I don't know. I mean, it's so focused on plus. Like I've probably stayed up till one in the morning every night for the past week and a half watching playoff hockey. And it's slowly taking its toll on me to the point where it's like, I just can't stay awake right now. It's It's been a tough go. But yeah, that's been my week. And I don't know, nothing exciting. Yeah, so the image you posted is like the opposite of the other one I'm looking at. So like instead of the Nike swoosh being black, the one I'm looking at is white. And instead of like, anyways, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll send you a picture of the one I'm looking at later. Um, because I think it's like a made up like fan art one. Nevertheless, I ha- I want your opinion on something. 
We can do that. So yesterday I was going to London, Ontario for wrestling. And James, I'm sure you've done the drive many times. Yes, sir. With you and, in the car. Yeah, probably. And uh, usually I stop at the en route in Cambridge for lunch. Classic. And Are you on like a, a first name basis with those people? They're like, oh, Dustin, how's it going? Definitely not, because now you're interacting with like screens. Like there's like, you know, how when you go to McDonald's, it has like the touch screen to order and stuff. Yeah. They have those there, but it's for every restaurant. So regardless if you want like Subway, Burger King or Popeye's, like you have to use the same screen. And it's unfortunate that, and maybe this is going to uh, sway my opinion here, but, or what yeah, I'm projecting as my opinion. It's unfortunate that this particular Cambridge en route is not a Wendy's, lo- is not a Wendy's one. Like sometimes you get one that has a Wendy's and sometimes you have one that gets a Burger King and like, that's like heartbreak Hill. Yeah. Like of all the fast food options, Burger King obviously is the dirt worst, but well, I digress. Anyways, the point is, uh, you go over to the little digital screen and you place your order, you pick your restaurant, you pick your food item, and you, you get it, and you eat it, obviously. Um, I'm sitting down, eating my Popeye's chicken sandwich, then and then walking over is Brent Banks, and he pulls out his Burger King bag, and he pulls out a chicken sandwich. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, if you're getting a chicken sandwich and your options are Popeyes or Burger King, he elected for Burger King. I do enjoy the Popeyes, yes, but that Burger King original chicken sandwich. They're not the same. They're not in the same, like, group. Like, the Burger King chicken sandwich exists outside of chicken sandwiches. It's just, it. it's a well-known fact. Yeah. Like it's it just hits different. Like you're not getting it because you're like I want a chicken sandwich. You're getting it for all the memories of that chicken sandwich. Yeah, you don't even you're not getting it because like oh I could really go for a real good fast food. No, you're getting it because that is the Burger King chicken sandwich for no other reason than that's what it is. When you crave it, you crave that specifically. Yes, sir. The the ridiculous amounts of lettuce they put on that you have to peel off, the slobbering of mayonnaise, the egregious amounts of sodium in that chicken patty. Yeah, and the generally by the time you're almost finished, soggy bun, it's an experience. But it's great. Yes. Well, apparently you guys are siding with Brent Banks on this one. I was just <laughs> flabbergasted that if he had an option on literally the same digital screen to order either a Popeyes chicken sandwich or a Burger King chicken sandwich, he elected for the Burger King. You know, I, can I get would a Popeyes both. chicken sandwich any day almost now. They're everywhere. Yeah. Now Popeyes has exploded here. Like yeah. you like I'm literally in the middle of like five of them. Yeah, I think there's actually one move. down the street from me too, and there's like nothing down here. So I think they move in rotation. Like A and W went away for a while and then A and W came back. And then Popeyes now all of a sudden is massive. I feel like KFC's you know, kind of gone down the wayside here. Yeah. And in like five years, you know. there'll be thousands. Well, yeah. and shortly, we're going to get a Shake Shack in Toronto too, supposedly. Yeah, and you can line up for 45 minutes just to make the order and then wait another hour and a half to get your order. I should also mention I did have Golden Star over the weekend, which was worth it. Yo, too. there you Yo, go. What's, what, what's Golden Star? Is that Buddy. like a... 
it's, I have no idea what that is. It's like a mom it's and pop diner. Yeah. It's been a community okay. staple here since the 50s. Yeah, 1950s. Or and 60s, maybe. It's it's up there with best burger I've ever had. Yeah, it's all handmade, homemade. It's all um, like super fresh, and it's just it's amazing. Oh, so the best. No, I'm hungry. That's one of the best things about best and worst things about uh, spending a lot of time on the road. Like this weekend, I had Wendy's, A and W, and Popeyes <laughs> all in the same weekend because you, like your your work schedule is so weird, and you're you have to get food when you can, and that's what's there, and that's what you eat. So I'd love to no. see your cholesterol level. Uh, over the weekend, I was probably way too high, but like throughout the week, I actually eat quite well. But yeah, on wrestling weekends, I eat horribly. As long as you don't um, go that to said, that though, cracked out McDonald's I had across to, uh, from the London Music Hall. Oh, yeah. The A&W is literally attached. No, I said as long McDonald's. as you don't go to the McDonald's across from the London Music Hall, the cracked out McDonald's, that oh. McDonald's is a death trap. I mean, there's a lot of death trap McDonald's in Toronto as well. I mean, London well, is a death trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So last night I had I was driving uh one of the wrestlers back to the airport and I was thinking to myself, I'm by the airport. What do you want to get if you're near the airport? Zets. Hell yes. So fuck is Zets. I popped in Zets into the GPS and I was so upset to see that it's it said it closed at nine o'clock. It was Sunday. So I was like, I didn't know Zets closed. <laughs> I thought like this was a twenty four seven type of place, but I suppose not. And I was very upset that uh, I couldn't get Zets last night. So I ended up just going to A&W near my place. But Zets is kind of um, like Friendly House, but it's like a, a mini chain. Like where okay. they serve everything. Like you can get a burger or a chicken Slovaki dinner. Like it's totally up to you. Shawarma? Yeah, I think so. And I, I don't know exactly. You know what? They, their hours must have changed since after COVID. Because I feel like I have been to Zets so, at like three in the morning at one point. So that happened at Golden Star too. Because I asked him, I'm like, "Hey man, you gonna get busy in here tonight for the game?" He goes, "You know what? Not really." He's like, "We close at nine now." He's like, "Since COVID, we close at 9. I said, "Oh." He goes, "Yeah, you know what we found? Nobody was here for business after nine o'clock." <laughs> He's like, "They were just hanging out, like either having the beer they bought at nine, or not doing anything, or just inviting like lowlifes around, right?" So, you know. They're probably making more now because they're not spending on anything between nine and whatever time they close. Well, so. It's like sal- you got to think of like pay plus having shit prepped, like just in terms Utilities. of leakage of yeah. funds you're saving. Exactly right. So, but yeah, Zex is good. No one uh, else is good. The landing strip sports. Oh, okay. I mean, sure. <laughs> if that's where you're going with that. <laughs> well, you said you were near the airport. <laughs> I was going to say what also is good is a, a series win for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I okay. I I don't know how to accurately describe, and this is so okay. This I'll take you through the my Saturday night and how this went down because I was at wrestling, so I didn't watch the game at all. Um, after the show ended, everyone was checking their phones like, oh, it's in overtime, but we're still like just you know doing after show things, and then. All of a sudden, my phone blows up of just a million messages from so many different people of like, oh, my God, it happened. Oh, my God. This is it. They did it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. And just try to respond to everyone and see what's going on. And 
the <laughs> I don't think this is going to get anybody in trouble, but like the uh, the guys who run the beer at the venue I happened to be at, we just started pouring out free beer for all the staff <laughs> and all the restaurants are like, least one. All right. Free beers for everybody. Start handing out beers. <laughs> And it was just the weirdest feeling. And I, I honestly, at the time, didn't know how to describe it. Of like, this is something that just hasn't happened in so long. Um, and I, I vividly remember the last time the Leafs won a playoff round. It was in 2004, obviously, because I'm sure you guys have heard that year a million times over, over the past few days since it happened. And I remember being outside my friend's parents house and we were playing ball hockey like and listening to the game on the radio while we were playing ball hockey and like that we were in high school <laughs> like we yeah. were just like a bunch of idiots in like grade 11 or grade 12 or whatever it was like we were just high school kids we weren't adults we were children the yeah. last time yep. that the maple leafs and then i thought to myself okay i can't wait to watch uh steve dangle's reaction video right i like steve dangle Anyways, I'm watching this thing, and I, and I realize, like, this guy's been doing this video series for so long. 16 years. 16 years he's been doing this video series. He's literally never done one for a second-round matchup. Dude, in his and, video, and he said The YouTube, reason why, do you know YouTube, the reason why? Yeah. Because fucking YouTube didn't exist. Yeah. The last time the Toronto Maple Leafs made the second round. This will be the first series... Second, first second round series the Maple Leafs will ever play in fucking 1080p. In 4K. Well, certainly in, in 4K, but like they've literally never had a second round series broadcast in high, high def. definition. Yeah. He showed another image of him interviewing Christopher Stieg on his MacBook um, at the time. And it's like, it, like Steve, for all his like, like positives like good stuff and faults or whatever he's a really good time capsule i think for the journey of of a leafs fan or just the leafs in general um because he's done one after every game so you you do understand the for people who don't understand like the the magnitude of this i think you have to think about what that guy's done from day one what he's been able to build and what he's watched and experienced i mean in order to do a fan reaction after every game you really have to be glued to every game like at the level he does it like you have to so yeah i think it's a good barometer for for like exactly the the severity of what went down the um the number one movies that came out in 2004 was Shrek 2 and Spider-Man 2. How many Spider-Man movies there's been since Spider-Man 2? That didn't include Tobey Maguire? <laughs> like, this is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. We've had two motherfucking Spider-Mans since 2004. Yeah, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe wasn't even a thing. Didn't exist. Disney did not own Marvel in 2004. That's wild. <laughs> that's it's, wild. It's crazy to think about. And that's how long it has been since the Toronto Maple Leafs have found a way to get to the second round of the playoffs. And we're here, guys. This is it. <laughs> the Leafs. And the craziest realization that I had, I think, last night as I was driving home, 
as I was trying to like in my head, because this was just right around the time where uh, the other, well, the other Eastern Conference series wrapped up. We'll talk about that later. And I was thinking the Leafs are like in the final four of teams in the Eastern Conference. They're in the final four of teams in the Eastern Conference. One of these four teams, obviously, we, like we're recording on Monday night, so we, we don't know this, the fate of New Jersey and New York yet. But one of these four teams is going to go to the Stanley Cup final. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of those four teams. Yeah. Just to put that in perspective of where this team is right now. Someone put a list of the eight teams. Like, I guess they had New York, New Jersey split. They're like, these eight teams, one of them will win the cup. It's fucking crazy to see the Maple Leafs still on that list. You know? And if well, you look at the other side, though, on, in the West, and we, I don't, don't want to get too far off the Maple Leafs, but like you, you see Seattle's there. Well, <laughs> and you see Vegas is like, what is happening right now in the NHL? It'll be the first year since 2006. It'll be like a newish cup winner. So like not like a, a repeat in the last four or, or five yeah years. or like a team that has either hasn't won it since then so like because Pittsburgh's won two or three since then Chicago's won three since then um, L A had won, won a two couple, obviously Tampa won two right Colorado has won one so it's like this is the first Cup final since then since 2006 where it'll be newer blood of team that's winning. great. I think that's great. Which uh, is good and bad because if you think about it, it's great because you want to see different teams unless it's your team in the cup finals every year or winning every year. Yeah. But it's terrible for the argument to Gary Batman to restructure the playoffs back to the one versus eight because it'll be look at the parody. Now look at the fresh team. Granted, you can say, but the past 15 some odd years has been the same teams well, there all the time. But yeah, and well, I think the other the argument... argument against- is that Go ahead, the, the, oh, I was gonna say the other argument against is the this year, like we all bought into the storyline of Toronto Tampa halfway through the series, right? Like, I mean, at the I beginning, think I think before we halfway, like, I think we all bought in at the start. Yeah, no, I know, but I think we were really sold on it. I think John Cooper did a good job of actually selling us on the story of Toronto Tampa. I think you know Michael Bunting did a, a good job of selling us on the story of Toronto Tampa. It's it's just one of those things where as much as I would have liked them to see them play someone else, there there is an element of the story, right? And I think it was kind of neat to watch it play out. Yeah, right. But that I guess the argument against Gary is had things played out 1-8, Leafs and Tampa should have been the conference final. And that's the issue. Well, yeah, is that you want... You're yeah, you're eliminating really good teams really early. Well, when, look, Boston's gone. Right, and obviously that that happens sometimes where one loses to eight, and you're like, oh shit, that that shouldn't have happened. But realistically, the Leafs would have been the, the four seed or something, and they would play the five seed, and Tampa would have been a, a six seed, and they would have played a three, and then eventually you would have got down to Tampa and Toronto in the conference final. Knock on wood. Hopefully, <laughs> who knows? Whatever, right? But like. The point is, you want to keep your bigger teams in the tournament as long as possible. That that's that should be your goal. Like you should want the best teams to go the farthest, because now we're in a situation where, and I guess this would have happened regardless. But Toronto versus Florida is kind of ridiculous from a perspective of um, marquee matchups, sexiness. 
Right. It doesn't have the cachet of Toronto-Boston would have had. So they should have done Toronto versus Ron DeSantis because <laughs> it's just Toronto versus yeah. Florida. That has cachet. Pretty much. They, they can't get out of the state, but... Maybe it's mean, not a bad thing no. if you think about it. Toronto hasn't lost a single playoff game in the state of Florida this season. Right. I just think it's kind of getting off of the whole like gripes about how the playoffs are orchestrated and kind of on specifically to the game. This this was their biggest mental hurdle, like physically and in terms of playing the games and you know what deeper rounds do it becomes a war of attrition after this the first round is such a grind and such a bloodbath for most teams that the rest of the playoffs is just who can stay healthiest the longest essentially um but mentally i think for them it's easier at this point like this was probably the biggest mental obstacle they would have going through the playoffs um this was their adversity and i think in more microscopic view of it it was losing that first game seven to three and all the hype and all the platform and everything of this first round series for for them i think having that game go that way is really kind of helped them do a lot moving forward for this the playoffs and also in the grand scheme of things, if you think about it, other than the Michael Bunting suspension, they haven't had like major personnel issues like we've seen in previous years where Kadri got suspended or when Tavares took the knee to the head or just any other. There hasn't been a significant injury to impact this team. They've been lucky enough so far throughout the playoffs to keep their entire lineup together. Like the fact that they're able to say, Justin Hall, you're out of the lineup. We're going to put in Gustafson. We're going to put in Lilligren. Um, Bunting comes back and they're in a position to say, we don't need to put you right back in the lineup. Like they have been very fortunate in terms of staying healthy thus far, even though Morgan Riley looks like he's <laughs> just stepped out of an octagon and the well, guy had dude, a, a five-round like championship fight. But that's what you should look like. Like that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like you, that that shows the guys engaged in, in the series. Like my, my dad was saying it on Saturday. It's not. It, it's not. Um, you can't compare it to war, but there is an element of like trench battle that you can't describe until you're in it, and you know when you're in it because you have the scars to prove it. And Riley right now has something to show for it he was in it yeah and i don't think like we've seen that from the leafs in previous years you're right and it's it's one of those things where when you see old clips of playoff hockey you see guys with cuts on their faces missing teeth and all this shit like you're finally seeing that with some of these guys right like you're seeing mitch in the handshake line he's got busted lip and then riley's got the two black eyes and you know, all these guys got, you know, little scrapes and shit like that. And it what it says is that they put it all on the line to get there. Um, now, looking at this is they came out of that series surprisingly healthy, as you said. You know, Florida's lost a couple guys 
to injury. Lomberg's out. Don't know how long. And I mean, their goaltending, who knows? But comparatively, the Leafs are pretty healthy going into this series with an extra day's rest on Florida. And the other thing, too, is, is from Tampa, they flew home. Florida had to essentially get on a plane, go back home to Florida to get whatever they needed or do whatever. And then from there, they're flying into Toronto if they're not already here yet. So that's a lot of travel for a team that had just gone through the emotional roller coaster, arguably their cup beating Boston in seven and overtime. But I know we'll probably get to that, but to say like for the Leafs is just, I think mentally for them now they're, they're free, which I think will be better. They're not going to play as tense as they may have in moments with Tampa. They're not going to have that fear or wall of Vasilevsky in front of them or, you know, that tension of, Oh shit, we lost game six. Now we're in a game seven and you know, all those demons come back to haunt them. So. Well, I think that's the most interesting thing about this second round in Toronto being there is that we don't know what this team is now. We don't like a second round Toronto Maple Leafs team in the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner era is a foreign concept. Like that team hasn't existed until today. So how like do do they are they like fuck it yeah like do they have newfound confidence do they understand what it takes to win now are they are they hyper engaged are they being led by the likes of a you know ryan o'reilly and and stuff like that are they is sheldon keith learning from his mistakes you know again we talked about this in chat and dustin much to your weird soft spot for justin hall the guy was on for 75 percent of the goals and even sheldon keeps cop out answer he's like well he's not on there by himself buddy 75 like the adjustments they made going into that game are the adjustments that they were unwilling to do in years previous and i'm gonna give credit to kyle dubas too from you know i was like why the fuck are they getting all these defensemen well it certainly fucking made sense because gustafson looked great even in, in limited minutes and I said, by rolling 11-7, you can start playing your stars more. In- you you got to call it what it is. It's the Slurpee. Thank you. <laughs> Every time you say it brings me one inch closer to wanting to smack you. <laughs> but but in that Batman-Robin meme? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, uh, it's an interesting thing because you get a, a power play specialist defenseman and Gustafson laid the body on a few people during the game, which I was impressed with. And Lilligren didn't Lilligren didn't do there was one play where he let his man go and it cost them a goal. But I don't think he made the plethora of mistakes that a hall would have made. Uh you could do a highlight reel video of education on defensemen of how not to play on Justin Hall in just this series. Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, again, sure he's a great guy, probably loved in the locker room, was not a good hockey player for this series. Um, but I, uh, the 11-7 and seven is interesting. They can deploy it now when they need it because the, uh, the opposition coach doesn't know line combinations anymore. Like, you're going to throw out different mixes based on what you need. And again, it gives you an opportunity to, to shift your, your stars a little more and get them more ice time. So... 
I mean, it may not be a bad thing, and maybe they galaxy brained themselves above what what we would have thought. But I, you know, I don't know what this team is. I hope they don't. I hope they don't settle. I hope they don't sit back and be like, "Ah, we did. We it. did this. Now we can chill." You know. I don't well, think they will. The practice lines that they were rolling with today, they're going back to a 12-6 setup. So um, Aston are. Reese is back in, and looks like Gustafson is out and Hall is still out. So that's the changes it looks like for game one. Well, Lilligren, too. I have a question, also, though. He also had a major scoring chance in that game and an opportunity you know, to give the Leafs some magic. He was like free and clear in the slot. And he shot it right into right into Vasilevsky's chest. But I just again, I think it's it's like a goaltender at this point with their defenseman. You got to roll with the guy who's gonna give you the best chance. Uh, especially playing with Giordano, I don't think I think his age is starting to show a little bit. I think he got beat up on in that Tampa series. I mean, not beat up on by like like I think he physically was was beat up a little bit by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, the 11 and 7 also lets you rest him a little bit more. Like if he's feeling it in a game or he doesn't look like he's up to snuff in those moments, you can be like, look, take a little bit extra rest. We, you know, we can whatever. I think these couple days off will be good for him. Um, The other thing that Lilligren brings that Hall doesn't is ability to actually skate a puck out of danger. We're. Hall, a lot of the time when he had open ice, yeah, he could skate with it. But when he got pressured, he just got lost. And then he would hold the puck on the boards or, you know, just try and make a dumb play. The thing with Lilligren is, is he doesn't wait for that. He gets the puck. If there's a tight situation, he'll use his feet to move and go and get the puck out, which the whole game plan for this team is get the puck to the forwards as quick as possible because that's where they're going to do their damage. And I think Lilligren facilitates that infinitely better than Hall does. Granted, yeah. Hall can be a wall and just sit in front. He, I, the one thing I will give eats him, pucks. he ate a lot of stammer one-timers. Eats, eats pucks. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Like, the, the problem in game five was they couldn't move the puck through. Like, if you go back and watch that game, which I'm sure nobody ever will because we won uh, the series, the, the Leafs had a problem moving the puck through the neutral zone. Like they couldn't move it through center ice and gain presence in the offensive zone because for whatever reason, they weren't, like you said, Matt, they weren't skating the puck through from the back end or they weren't getting a good first pass from from a guy from a lot of the guys in the back end. And Lilligren can do both of those things, uh, which and Gustafson can do both of those things. And when you can gain center ice and start establishing possession, because the whole thing with the Leafs is the Leafs aren't a dump and chase team. Sheldon Keefe's philosophy from day one has been you move the puck through the zones as a team and maintain possession. Like they're they're a possession maintenance team. Very rarely are they a chip and chase team. So well, if you can't if you can't maintain possession through the zones and, and a guy is actively costing you that, like that's gonna fuck your whole game plan. Especially when you have three lines that are pretty skilled comparatively to other teams, why would you want to give the puck up? for a 50-50 shot. Like, if you have guys that can hold on to the puck, make a move, make a play, and get through the zone together as five, then keep the puck. Like, yeah, the dump and chase is almost a dying kind of play style. It is a little antiquated. 
especially with the speed of guys you gain and that's why they do that thing on the power play right everyone's like why do they drop it back well because they want speed through the neutral zone so they can they can carry it in and establish your your power play right you dump it in again it's 50 50 at best and they clear it out but if you got a guy who's who's getting speed while the the defense are standing still at the blue line then you have a chance of of gaining zone entry and, and start establishing your your power play I have a question. Um, over or under, Carter Verhage scores 25 goals in this series. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good thing Mason Marchman isn't on the Panthers anymore. Oh, I'll shit. just tell you that. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll say about this Florida, and I kind of briefly alluded to it, how much do they have left in the tank, like mentally? You know, like that took a lot out of them coming down from 3-1 against the greatest season team the nhl has ever seen especially in the modern era yeah you know like that they they were it's house money for them they weren't even supposed to make the playoffs no exactly so like at the trade deadline when we were talking about guys that we were targeting for the leafs to acquire i was pitching mark and eric stall i thought florida was out of it and here we are your your best friends mark and eric stall oh yeah i love those guys um, yeah, it's, I, I just like that. You could argue was their playoffs. Like that was their big victory. Do you know what I mean? Where it's, it's now, yes. Like you said, they're playing with house money. They're playing probably more free than the lease would be mentally a little bit, but I just, what do you, what do they have left in the tank to, to play this? Do you know what I mean? I think it's, Yeah. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, I know we talked a little bit about this uh, through our our messages and Discord and stuff. If there's not not a player who's more underrated, I think, in this league in terms of what they bring to the table on a team than Matthew Kachuk. I mean, look no further than the Calgary Flames, right? Like, Justin Huberto couldn't do for the Flames what Kachuk could easily jump over and do for the Panthers. What? Jonathan Huberto. Did I say that? You said Justin. I said Justin Huberto? I got to yeah. give myself one of these. Samsonite. I was way off. Jonathan Huberto <laughs> couldn't do for the Flames what Matthew Kachuk is doing for the Panthers. And he's just just a game he's he's a game defining player. And they're going to have to figure out a way to contain him. He was game-defining in Boston. A lot of big goals. Could have sealed the deal with the breakaway in overtime. Um, but And he's one of those I guys think, that he's going to get into your skin. I think, though, the difference with the Leafs and Boston is, is Boston's a much slower team than Toronto is. Like, that's not... That's not me making a stretch or me embellishing what the Leafs can do. I think it'll be more of a struggle for Florida just on their feet to keep up with Toronto. And they're already the most penalized team in the playoffs. So Florida is? Yes. So I also think, too, that there's two or three guys on that Florida team that play with so much emotion and take so many dumb penalties. One of them may get suspended. Yeah, Radko Gudis being one of them. Yeah, Radko Gudis being one of them. I wouldn't be surprised if Kachuk does something stupid. If Florida gets pumped in game one or two, 
at home in Toronto and it's like six to one and someone's going to do something stupid because they're going to be like, I got to send a message. Sam Bennett. I think, I think you're going to see a lot of back and forth. Like, I think it's going to, cause Florida's not slow, right? So you're, you're going to see a lot of this way, that way, three on threes, three on twos, uh, rushes. And you might be right. If they're the most penalized team, then they just gotta they gotta do their best to be as disciplined as possible without being wussies, right? And I think they found a way to do that in the last two games. The Leafs were very good at being tough without being penalized for it. So, yeah, I just I when I look through lineups forwards, obviously you give the edge to Toronto. I mean, I think out of any other team in the playoffs, you you maybe argue Edmonton just because of McDavid and Drysaddle alone, not for whoever else they have with them. They're not as skilled as Tampa. They're not as big, but they're they're sneaky and they're pesky. Like they're yeah. I wouldn't underplay. I would them, say they're more I, driven. Yes, I think they have a yeah yeah. They grind more than Tampa does because they have to make up for the lack of skill comparatively to the other teams, but. I think what happens is when you do that, they forecheck so much that they end up giving up a lot of odd man rushes. That's the one thing I noticed a lot in the Boston series is they pressure so much that a lot of the time it was a quick chip when you have two guys on you and Boston's on a two on one. Yeah, they don't have the high guy. Right. The only thing that makes me real nervous is how good Brandon Montour is playing. But again, like that dude's playing out of his mind. And how much does he have left kind of putting the team on his back like he did in that series? Um, and then the other thing too for Florida is it's either A, Bobrovsky found himself again or B, their goaltending is really suspect because do you trust a rookie in the second round in Alex Lyon or do you throw Bobrovsky in and hope that he can regain some consistency of his previous standards? Well, he's yeah, he's either going to be a Vesna candidate, not like for this year, but you know what I mean? Or he's going to be the worst goalie in the playoffs. Like, And you don't, the problem is you don't know what you're going to get. So I think the again, I don't think the Leafs should change their strategy up much going into this series. I think you got to play almost the exact same game. Pucks on net, bodies in front, frustrate. Get if you can get Bobrovsky off his game early, then you're gonna have a a much easier time. I, you know, the way I see it, you're not you're punching down now, right? And at least Florida doesn't have you know, supposed to be a world beater in that doesn't have the, you know, maybe they do have the equivalent of the Perry's, the Maroons. I don't think they do to the same degree um, in totality, but I just, I would be weary of writing the Panthers off. Oh, I'm definitely not. I, I, I put this in discord last night. I think I would have rather played Boston. Like watching that Florida team, they annoy the fuck out of you. And they just don't go away. Yeah, they just, they're that dude who just always hangs around, never fucks off when you tell him to. And <laughs> keep staring at your girl. They, you tell him, fuck, leave, bud. Yeah. And I just think it's, I, I think that matchup wise, Toronto would have matched up better on paper with Boston just because I think skill wise, they're better. And then I, Boston's not the heavy, you know, in your face, drive you through the glass team they were six, seven years ago. Um, they got that dirt worst bottom six pairing of 
Forbert and Orlov. <laughs> it was yeah. terrible. So I don't know. It's it's weird. Like it's a weird thing because and we and Dustin and you have both said this many a time throughout the season. The Leafs have a serious issue playing down to their competition. So if they don't take this seriously and they look at this as like almost like Boston looked at Florida, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. I will say that actually, do you guys know how many times? Okay, so they they play each other four times throughout the regular season. Three zero and one. The Leafs are against Florida. You're right. So the Maple Leafs have won three of those four games and the one losses and like overtime. a shootout or overtime, whatever the fuck it was, right? Actually, the Leafs didn't play many shootouts, so it must have been an overtime loss. Nevertheless, that's a good record. Now it's 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 encouraging to see. Um, although I feel like one of the biggest advantages the Leafs have over Florida is that every time they go into that barn, it's eighty uh, percent Maple Leafs fans. Because the Florida Panthers can't sell tickets, uh, that's not me being un, uh, <laughs> being an asshole about it. Like they're they're like bottom five in the league for average attendance. Now, and you if you got have to throw Arizona out of the way because, I mean, their total attendance is only four thousand people. Like if they sell out the games, so yeah. um, they're Florida's bottom five, but Arizona's like bottom bottom. But let's keep that in mind. So they're like bottom four essentially. The Florida Panthers for attendance. Now, it came out a couple days ago, yesterday maybe, or maybe it was this morning, I guess it was, where the Panthers are restricting anyone outside the United States from buying tickets to their home games. Not the first time it's been done in professional sports. Teams do this all the time. But I wonder a couple things. First of all, the balls of the Florida Panthers to say that they can actually sell that building without Canadians filling it for them. Pretty Dude, funny. Like, Melnick no, y'all think you it. actually have fucking hockey fans down there? You don't. Melnick tried to do it with the Senators. You remember that? They yeah. tried to block people who had Toronto addresses from buying tickets. How well did that work out? Right. If anything, this is going to stoke the fire. Oh, they're gonna, now, you're going to have the dudes who are on the fence being like, fuck it, let's do it. We'll find dude, a way. We'll pay no, the extra man, secondary side, market. That was just going to say that. You want a side hustle? start buy if you were in the u.s and you want a side hustle buy all those tickets and start selling them to toronto fans well tickets will be available yep because there is no such thing as a florida panthers fan so that is going to be (laughs) difficult uh to not do like i mean you can absolutely this is a a great idea james this is a great business opportunity i might have to call one of my american friends to tell them to well i got a couple messages from people already being like i have a u.s address very lucrative. You want, I have a. I have a. I, honestly, I'm I seriously considering it. Um, I went on Google Flights earlier today, and I found some round trip flights to Florida for like 300 bucks. It'd be cheaper, and you'd sit closer. Like you could probably sit like 10 rows up from the glass. Dude, I have flight. a. I have a stackery box. I'm. They'll never ship the tickets. They're digital. I use my stackery address as my, as my address. They're using the credit card billing address. Oh shit! Well, there you go. So just find someone to buy it for you and then e-transfer them some money. That's Who gives true. a shit? Yeah. Yeah, but they're American. They don't do e-transfer. You got to have, have like Venmo. Cash App. <laughs> we don't have Venmo. Or Venmo. Mm. PayPal. What a backwards country. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless. Right? Can't um, just use a bank. <laughs> just have to yeah. have 48 apps. Banks. Yeah. Who uses banks? Banks, they collapse. We need Venmo. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> Down there they do. Yeah, I know. Um, 
So yeah, um, the Panthers have blocked uh, anyone from purchasing these tickets. But honestly, here's the thing: like, if the Florida, even the okay, so even the people in Florida who are gonna buy these tickets, they're Leaf fans. They're they're snowbirds. Yeah, they're all people who live down there. The dual citizenships. Seasonally, dual citizens. They're like, there ain't no motherfucking Floridian hockey fans. All right. So- this is what's going to happen. And they're going to have family being like, hey, you live down there. Why don't I come down for a day or two and we go to the game or something like And then they're going to the two becomes four or four becomes eight and shit like that. And they have a bunch of people going to the game. I would not be shocked if it's 60, 40 Leaf fans. I have a and, problem with uh, the message it sends to the team. Like the message it sends to the Panther. Like if you're if you're a Florida Panther right now and, and that rattled you, your management was like, we're blocking the other team's fans from coming. I'd be like. Who are we playing for? Like, if we have to put that out, like, why am I here? Like, what's, you know, like, you, like when you try and <sighs> antithetical to this, wouldn't you try and rally the the community, like the fan base? Wouldn't you use this as a point to build instead of like blocking people out, like inviting the Florida Panthers fans in? Like, that's what I would be trying to do. What they should be doing is saying, okay, look, we have. I don't know how many season ticket holders you think the Panthers have. Five thousand. Say okay, Maybe. we will give all of our season ticket holders an extra ticket, one extra ticket to all of our season ticket holders. That will be that'll bring us up to ten thousand. Okay, we need another eight thousand tickets. Okay, how about we go to all these young um, young these hockey setters, teams whatever, around hockey the state and say, discount. okay, there's twenty kids here. Here's some tickets. Twenty kids there. There's some tickets. Here's some at risk at risk youth groups. Here's another fifty tickets. And just fill it with like do a community service and fill your building with people who are going to cheer for the at least for one game. For, try it, game three, uh, right? Well, yeah, well, game three there it might not even exist, right? So well, <laughs> no, because I was going to yeah. say like if you're ever going to do it, that would be the one because that will be Saturday night. Oh, sorry, right? you mean game three like in the series? I'm thinking like yeah. home game three. My, no, my yeah, game three of the series. That'd be Saturday night. You have the Leafs in town, and it's just what better way to kind of amp them up than do that? Because you're right. When have we ever seen a Florida Panthers game with the Leafs that hasn't been majority Leaf fans? Like at minimum 55%. The fucking Tampa games had goalies go chance. That's true. And uh, you know who was at those Tampa games? Early shout out to our boys, Edge and Christian, who uh, are friends of the show, obviously. Obviously. What up, Jay Jay and Adam? they're, they're, uh, They're listeners, obviously. Um, but actually a sidebar, what I would like to propose because of, uh, edges presence and his good luck that was given to the Maple Leafs to win that series in Tampa. And the fact that he, I think he attended like almost all the games in in that series. I propose that the new goal song is edges entrance music, uh, alter bridge, whatever the fuck. (laughs) Let's put that out there. So it's a little sidebar about the goal song. I have a theory. I think they paid for the rights to Hollow Notes or whoever owns the rights for the song. Dude, I, I, I said something similar the other day. I'm like, I guarantee fucking tea that Holland Oats has paid the Toronto Maple Leafs $100 million a season to use their shitty song <laughs> as the goal song. The Leafs are using the goal song as revenue. It is a revenue stream for them to have the shittiest goal song in the league. That has yeah. to be it. Uh, the only other way is that Brendan Shanahan is a huge Hall and Oates fan, and anytime just, someone brings it up, he just shuts it down. Just gets a massive boner every time Hall and Oates yeah. plays. 
Brendan Shannon thought it was Hull and Oats. He's like, it was Brett Hull and Adam Oats, wasn't it? He's like, no. Wrong. That that joke I can accept because yeah. it's hockey related. Um, but uh, so a cool side thing about Edge too and the Leafs, their um, post game tradition right now is to hand a championship belt around to the to the best. He donated player. that, didn't he? Yeah, he gave. That was his. He had a custom Leafs championship title <clears throat> that he had made because he was Edge was such a big Leafs fan that he gave it to the team, and that's what they used to recognize like their player of the game in the dressing room, which I think is really yeah, fun. Putting cool. Edge's name on the cup if the Maple Leafs happen oh. to get that far. Yeah. Oh, he'd be that celebrity, one of those celebrity like attendees for that you would see at like some kind of event or whatever. If there was a they parade? Get. Yeah, he yeah. Was, he's definitely saying something. Like him, my, like um, who else? Mike Myers would probably be down there. Um, Beaver. Yeah, all those guys. But yeah, the, the Raptors have Drake and the Leafs have Edge. I'll take Chris that Bassett. any day. Chris yeah, Bassett, Bassett will, be will be there. Yeah. But um, I will say like a couple things. So back to the seating thing. Like they can try. It's not going to work. We know it's not going to work. I think like I bet you Florida fans were like, yeah, fuck them. Like the two or three that saw it, and we're like, yeah, fuck them. Let's not get them in here. While Leaf fans just like probably laughed and said, <laughs> that's cute. Like they every every team has tried it to prevent Leaf fans from going to their games, and it never works. It never does. What if even with like- flight, hotel, and the markup on secondhand tickets, it'll still be cheaper than buying a ticket at the Scotiabank Arena. Standing if you can get in there. So standing room only is nine hundred dollars right now for the Leafs. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't imagine what it is if they if they advance any further. But what if, what if they do the the Florida games like the pro wrestling events where like you show up in an AEW shirt at WWE and they're like, "Sir, you got to take that off or you have to leave." And they just yeah, so like we're, all we're, we're hand you this shirt. You have to wear yeah, this one. Put this Panthers what? jersey on. <laughs> what? So, Can you imagine yeah. this guy had a Panthers, Panthers jersey, jersey on. Wipe he's just my ass cheering with it. "Go Leafs, go!" The entire game. Um, the one thing I and I think we all kind of said this too because we were all like messaging with the group of friends in our Discord. Um, that was after a first round win. What if the Leafs go to like the Eastern Conference Final? Told you. Maybe they lose in a game seven. I don't, want, I don't even want to discuss Six that dead. possibility right now. Six dead for sure. <laughs> like I've told you. Like it, it. It. I don't think it'll get like Vancouver where they're like looting and no. shit. But yes, those streets will. would be closed for six days. Sir, a, a man literally to... ripped the Bremner sign off say. the pole after uh, the Leafs won in the away uh, game on Saturday night. CP24 will have content for weeks. They can it'll be Gotham in, City. Uh, dude, uh, God, yeah, they, they, well, it'll be the Narrows. Like that'll everything <laughs> yeah, will just turn into the Narrows. Close the bridges to the Narrows. It's, we don't have bridges. Everything. This isn't yeah, an this. island. <laughs> <laughs> Close the bridges. So earlier. Earlier in the show, I alluded to the fact that I think I was the reason the Maple Leafs won this game. Um, so on Saturday before I left for wrestling, I downloaded for the first time, because it's on Game Pass recently, NHL 23. And then I went through like the laborious process of setting up a playoff matchup between Tampa and Toronto. And I played the game, playoff game, Tampa versus Toronto. And it was 2-1 in overtime. Toronto winning. <laughs> You're lying. There's no I'm way. Not even, not even making that up. And I just, I was like, okay, cool. I won. I turned the game off and I left to go to work. And then the game ended two one in overtime. I'm like, god damn, I was around the around the nose for that one. There you go. Yep, yeah, it's no, all it's, you. 
But um, yeah, I think okay. So then, looking ahead to the series, what I on it, I I say Leafs in six. I don't think Florida is going. To, I don't. They're not going to sweep Florida. Florida is too hardworking of a team to get swept. I do think they'll probably get two games. It'll take a lot for them to do it emotionally and physically, and I think they'll just be burnt out after going through Boston and then into this. I just think they'll just have nothing left in the tank. Here's the X factor. I'm saying Leafs in five, but do you want to know why? Because they're not going to play Justin Hall for five games. That's before, also a point. Before they, they make a decision. So, and again, not to harp on the guy. I don't want to turn into the Jake Gardner guy I was six, seven years ago. But 75% of the goals. And they were like, winning 18 to four against Tampa when he's not on the ice. Yes. So <clears throat> Leafs in five. If Hall's in, Tampa's there, Florida and stuff. <laughs> Retroactively, they say bring Tampa in. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I say Leafs in six. I, this is hard. I don't want to take Florida lightly. So no, I'm, I'm going to say, so, okay, here's my, here's my thought process. I don't want to take Florida lightly. I want to say Leafs in seven. But at the same time, I feel like Florida has gone through such a battle with the Boston Bruins, just going through that roller coaster they went through. The Leafs weren't on a roller coaster. Like they lost some bad games, but they had a 3-1 lead. And then it was 3-2, and then they won the series. There was obviously a lot of those games were back and forth, and a lot the of those games coaster, went to overtime. The roller coaster was fabricated externally right. to the And games. everything we heard was that they were still very upbeat throughout the whole series, ups and downs no matter what. Like, they were... Like, yeah, like it was almost the opposite situation, where the Leafs were up 3-1, and they finished their business. Florida was down 3-1. And they finished their business. So they're teams that were in completely different situations. Even the fact that the Leafs were theoretically favored to beat Tampa because they were the higher seed. They had home ice advantage. Um, no one on the planet was picking the Florida Panthers to beat the Boston Bruins. I said Boston in five. I think you said them in four. I, I, I may have said four or five. I probably said five, but I don't doubt that I said four. That's how much of an underdog Florida was. I can't see Florida. And this is like such bad omens for all of us to be saying like Leafs are winning this series. I understand the optics of that. I understand the, um, how convenient it is for the three of us to all say the Maple Leafs are winning this series. But I think they're the better team. I, they have home ice advantage. Healthier. Even, even, even if they're playing in Florida. It's going to be home ice advantage. Um, I, I, they have all the, re, the, all the tools and all the opportunity to win this series. I'm going to say Leafs in six as well as Maddie. The, uh, do you know who the current cup favorite is to win on FanDuel? Leafs by 350, I think. I was going to say Carolina, but is Leafs it Leafs? Favorite. Yeah. Could you, this is the thing. So... I wonder if I can cash out now, actually. I put a bet on the Maple Leafs winning the Stanley Cup like in February or something. I wonder if I can cash that out and make some money. Um, <laughs> while you look at that, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this round two going in? Jim? Me? What do you mean, thoughts? 
I said like, five. Oh, you said five? Okay. Now, I think that how... one day's rest is going to fucking hurt them. Like, I, I don't think it's enough. Like you said, the travel thing, going have to go home and then back, and then they were so you go from the northeast home back to the northeast, like that's on one day's rest. That's stupid. Yeah, I just like you, you literally get no downtime. Yeah, nothing. Like ice baths are on hold today, boys. Like there's no. I just, I I agree. I think they're beat up. It's Leafs and six if Bobrovsky steals one. Um, I just I don't fuck man. I think they're gonna go through the same thing that Boston did in the goaltending in the back end. It's just the back end's not strong enough, dude. I'm a hockey fan. You're a hockey fan. Ekblad, Montador or Montour, um, Gudis, Mark Stahl, Stahl, and then who are the other guys? Gustav Forsling and I oh, don't Forsling. even know who their number six is. Right? Um, you couldn't. I could. They're four, like their bottom six forwards. Josh Mahura is currently on their bottom six. Anthony DeCle... Who? Josh Mahura. Who? Right. right exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying like that's their practice Mayo. lines as of recently. I, I mean, the bottom yesterday six, or today, whatever it was. But. Bottom six is DeClaire there, maybe? Yeah, like, yeah. You, so I can they, tell you, actually, okay, so if you want, I can tell you their projected lineup right now. Sure. It's up on NHL.com. Uh, their top line is Barkov with Verhage and Duclair. So Duclair is on the top line. Okay. Uh, Sam Bennett with Nick Cousins and Matthew Chuchuk. That's a pain in the ass. That's a, that, that's was, that will suck. Yep. Then you got Lundell with Reinhardt, and I have no idea how to say this man's name. Uh, Luce Terrian. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. He's the guy who scored. Yeah. Yeah. Game six one. And then your fourth line is Eric Stahl with Colin White and Zach Dulp. The one thing I've noticed. None of these guys are skaters except for Duclair and Kachuk. They can't yeah. skate the way that the Leafs forwards can. I think Reinhardt could. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's fine. Zach Dolby, I forgot that guy was even in the league. Yeah, isn't he like 45 now? No, I don't think so. I don't know but... about 45. Uh, the, but... the oldest man in the league definitely plays for the Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah. It's Gio. Um, <clears throat> I... So, sorry, their, their uh, defensive pairing is... Uh, Gustav Forsling with uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Ekblad. You have uh, Mark Stahl with Brandon Montour. Montour. <laughs> Sorry. And then uh, Josh Mahura with uh, Radico Gudis. Which is probably the funnest name to say in the intro. And also Not the fleetest of foot. And also a Leaf. Um, the guy they, so here's the cool thing. They've scouted that man very well because he's been I, rumored to come to this team for a long time. So they know Radico Gudis well. They know... Everything about that man. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot better than I thought it would be, but still, man, I just I don't it's, think they have the horses. The firepower is just different. Like the 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 big four showed up, man. Like it's just different. Like, and that's the other thing too. The vibe around this team is like you saw them in interviews after that seven three win, after the four the four one comeback. They were all business. Well, like, the other thing too is is not to let's not undersell this part. Shen had them hanging out as a team throughout yes. the entire series. They were eating dinner together, which they hadn't done, whether it's because COVID or whatever. Um, they they're a tighter group, I think, than years previous, and I think it's because, again, shout out to Kyle Dubas here. He went out and got the guys that make a team a team. 
like O'Reilly, Achari, Shen. These guys are 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 glue. Like literally the prototypical. Like you look up definition of glue guys, is those guys. Shen far outperformed what anyone thought he would even be. And if he continues that pace, he's gonna get a contract on this team. Yeah. What there should be a team that there should be a rule, I should say, that every team is allowed to switch contracts. Be like, you know what, Justin Hall, you deserve Shen money. And Shen, <laughs> you deserve Justin Hall money. <laughs> We're just gonna make that switch. Nothing needs to change on the books, you know, the cap is still the cap. We're just gonna swap their money. Just like the Uno reverse card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. slap it down. Justin, call Justin Hall into a meeting and slap it down on Desic. Oh man, yeah. No, I agree though because that's the one thing. A lot of the articles I read coming out of the Athletic and you know Sportsnet and everything like that today is the one thing is they did everything together. It was they went to dinner. They after they would like it wouldn't be like game over and then guys would be like oh I'm gonna go here I'm gonna go here. It was every aspect of you know, travel and dinners and everything like that was team-based. Which is a good thing because especially coming from guys like O'Reilly, like Jim said, and Luke Shen, guys who've won cups, guys who know what it takes as you get deeper um, and to look around and be like, this isn't just your teammates. Like these are your brothers that you're going out there and putting everything on the line to win. And that's what it takes. Dude, the Leafs had something like 26 block shots in the last yeah. game or something and austin matthews had like five yeah i think he's he's the biggest example of a guy and yes he didn't put up the most points in the series like marner did but it is a great example of a dude who and we said this at the start of last week's show that just said fuck it i'm done with all this shit and people saying i can't do this or you know i'm not a playoff performer that he he's literally put the team on his back through this series. The shift that he got the goal on, he came out of there and I'm like, if that was multiple shifts broken up, I'm wouldn't be surprised if he had two or three goals. He's, he's traditionally been good on 50, 50 puck battles, but the amount of, I was actually, you know what? The whole team, I gotta say like the whole team has been so much better on those 50, 50 battles that like, it's a real difference maker when you're not going to score every shift. But if you come out of 50-50 battles with a puck, you're preventing them from scoring. And that's that's big. Yeah. You know what? If you want to score some awesome products, you need to check out our sponsor. Because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit now your treasures on Instagram. Send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N O W Y O U R T R E A S U R E S.ca or .com. And remember, go to now your treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6. To receive 43% off any order. You know, I, I bet the Boston Bruins are just wondering what the hell happened, though. Because now I know uh, Patrice Bergeron may be done. Uh, he said he has a herniated disc in his back. <sighs> that dude plays uh, for the worst shit. Honestly, that, that's 
I've heard that injury many times, and that's usually when Shawn Michaels took four years off wrestling. So I can't imagine how this guy's going to put skates on with a herniated disc in his back. Obviously, the Bruins are beat up and whatever, but it's it's kind of nice to see. <laughs> you know what I mean? As, as Leafs fans, it's like, you know what? Someone else is taking their shit right now. I'm okay with that. Someone else blew a 3-1 lead. Someone else is getting the heat for that. I'm, I'm okay. Dude, they I, traded. I, I'm, I'm okay seeing this. They traded for Bertuzzi a rental. Doesn't pay off. They traded for somebody like for, there's another rental. Dimitri Orlov. Orlov rental. The Leafs have their first round pick that got better because they exited the first round. Looks I saw good about that. Looks good on them. Mm-hmm. You know. One of the craziest stats that I saw came from Sportsnet Stats, SN Stats on Twitter. The 43-point difference between the Panthers and Bruins represents the largest upset in Stanley Cup playoff history in a best-of-seven series. There's a 43-point difference between how many points the Bruins ended with at the end of the regular season and how many points the Panthers ended with at the regular season. And it's not just a one-versus-eight situation where eight overcame one that's not like unusual i mean it's unusual but it's happened before in professional sports we've seen it before but the fact that this one wasn't just the one in the east it was the one in the nhl and it was the most prolific season we have seen in our lives in terms of how many games the boston bruins won in the regular season how many points that they accumulated in the regular season was historic. Never been done. And they lost in seven games at home to the Florida Panthers. Man, I, <laughs> it's, I don't know how you... I can't imagine being the, the management of that team now of saying... What do we do now? You're in a weird spot. Um, first of all, I don't agree with Dave Portnoy on a lot of things. I think he's usually a fucking moron. But um, he did say one thing that I kind of agree with. The NHL regular season is the most meaningless <laughs> regular season in sports. Um, just because of there, like, there's so many variables and factors in the playoffs. You know, guys turn it on, become different people. It's different than any other sport, like the the switch that has to come on. Um, so I'll, I'll say that. So like you know, the the President's Trophy's curse is an example of that. Um, if you're the Bruins, it's real tough. Bergeron is uh, probably on the way out. I can't imagine another season for him. And if he's out, like congrats, they're like fucking class act, incredible player. Yep played the game the right way excellent two-way hockey player like if you're looking for a two-way hockey player like that's it that's your template um literally gave it all for that team like yeah. every year um Krejci is not young no they, um, they him and him and Krejci looked real rough yes in that series they couldn't move um we said Bertuzzi rental Orloff rental um two rookie goalies is Allmark the record-setting 
goaltender or is he the sieve that he was towards the end of that series? And that's know. and I think they it tells you everything the fact that Swayman was in net for game 7. Yeah. Their of belief what the either. faith level is for Olmark. Right? So yep. you when you're assessing what you have, you're looking at well we have David Pasternak, right? We, who we just Ooh, signed his new contract so. starts next year at eleven point two five. Yeah, right. Uh, Brad Marchand, who's again not getting any younger. He's not old, but he's not getting any younger. Uh, and then you've got Charlie McAvoy in the back end. You know, Nick Foligno is not going to be around. It's just, I, they don't have the number of pieces. And don't count out the Bruins. Like they can, they retooled after the like. They were never really out of it, uh, even no. after their cup. So they know how to retool, right? I yeah, I don't disagree. It's just I think they have work to do because they. I don't know. I don't. I could probably pull up the numbers if I wanted to, but they must be one of the oldest teams in the NHL. If you look at just how many guys are in their thirties that are on that team, Marchand, Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, uh, Nick Foligno. Bergeron and Krejci. Like, I just listed six forwards who are all in their 30s. And because they've been so successful, they have the Tampa problem of they probably don't have significantly high value or top-end prospects in the system. Forgive me, I haven't looked at their farm system, so I'm saying that based purely off the fact of where they've probably drafted has not been the highest in the uh, in the draft order. So, yeah, there's going to be have to be some decisions in Boston well, and you, DeBrusque wanted out before. Yes. Do you think he's going to want to stick around for this? I mean, if they go on retool, I, I, you know what? Most guys will stick around. I don't know if he sticks around for a retool. Let, you know what I mean? Like, well, he, he still has one year left on his contract next year. And it's $4 million bucks. It's a pretty friendly deal to the club. I don't see him going anywhere. He'll have, he, he'll have to ride out next year. He asked for the trade, and they were trying to facilitate it, but they couldn't find anything. So... I, I don't know if this, he puts more pressure saying, I want out. Like, I gave you this season. Mm-hmm. I stuck around. I was a good soldier. And now maybe there's a do right by him type thing. To, there's also, yeah, because you, uh, you don't do right by him. That shit spreads in the league. And if you're doing a retool, you got to have, you got to keep yourself in good standing. I forgot they have Pavel Zaka. He's okay. Yeah, but how long did he take to even get close he was part of that three the 13 14 15 picks right where they had the three straight first round picks but, no they traded um, they traded for zaka did they he was on uh new jersey i just the fact that it still blows my mind that they busted a nut <laughs> on two of those picks yeah out of the three straight and they only got it was the brusque i forgot but, they have, you know their defense is okay from a top four perspective Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, and Carlo. That's okay. They'll be okay yeah. there. I mean, no, like, UFAs? It's... Dude, Bergeron, Krejci, Bertuzzi, Felino, Hathaway, Nosik. Oh, yeah, they also got Garnet Hathaway as part of that deal, too. Yeah, Connor Clifton, Connor Carrick. Shout out to the OG. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, I don't think they're. I'm looking at their. Prospects, uh, oof. 
Their number one rated prospect is Matthew Poitras. Apparently he's Canadian. <laughs> Apparently he's Canadian. Sure. But no, I know what you're saying is they don't have a deep pool. Um, they've given up a lot to maintain this level of play for the past 10, 12 years. I just, th- this is, I also don't know how you mentally recover from this. Like if you're some of those guys, because oh, it's only how, because <laughs> the Maple Leafs have been through it. Okay. Yeah. And Tampa right. did it. Well, Tampa swept. Tampa did it. They got swept. Right. But I mean, that was on the beginning of Tampa's kind of ascendancy into being the best yeah. team. Right. Like they had a lot of their a lot of their guys were younger, a lot of their guys were you know not as war torn. A lot of the guys that carry Boston through the shit are one year older and not like oh they're twenty nine going on thirty. Like Dude, these are guys going into mid late thirties. There are three guys that were an integral part of the Chara era, right on this team yep. in Krejci, Bergeron, and Marchand. That's crazy. I think it comes down to it, like just a an aggregate changing of the guard in the league, right? The Tampa, like Tampa's probably, I'm not going to count them out next year for anything, but let's be honest. They're on, they're over the midpoint of their, their run as a, as a quote unquote dynasty or whatever you want to call it. Boston is over the midpoint of, you know, because you can only be successful for so long, not get draft picks because those are also capital, to shift things around, right? So you're you're trading picks because they're not of value to you to bring in temporary solutions. You're not building your own talent and farming your own talent. So you don't have any assets even to trade for young talent unless it's your big UFAs. But if you're quasi-competitive, you're not trading those UFAs. So oddly enough, I think the Boston Bruins have a lot in common with the Toronto Raptors where they're in the middle and... They're going to have to pick a direction, but I don't think they have the assets to go up. Yeah, I just, you look at this and it's, you know, arguably the biggest collapse in NHL history, you know, being up three games to one to a team that scratched in what wild card. Yeah, not just like they got in on what, like the last night of the season. And Boston was coasting from like January, right? So it's just funny how the roles are reversed as a Leaf fan that we came back from a 4-1 deficit and won our series and Boston was up 3-1 to one in their series and choked it up. But all, like when it's all said and done, it's just this, this opened up the pathway for potential and i know we were talking about boston bringing it back but could you imagine an oilers leafs cup final i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves <laughs> no but i'm just saying like hypothetically like the now like it's it's a little clearer for toronto to get through because if boston had gone over florida in four or five everyone would have everyone would have said this is exactly what we expected and boston would have been another big mental hurdle for the leafs and being what they were throughout the season, you know, that's a big road gap. Now it's like you look through the East and, you know, if Toronto gets past Florida, and I do say if, because we did discuss it, like Florida's no slouch. But if they do get past them, it's 
you got to think these guys are going to not only feel better, but have deeper belief. Right. What now, I will say what I, what I will say is that based on the teams that are left, the sexiest matchup for a Stanley Cup final would be Toronto Edmonton. McDavid's and Matthew McDavid's Matthews and McDavid. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good one. I've never done that one before. McDavid and Matthews, I think, is the headline for the NHL. Like that needs to be that needs to happen in a Stanley Cup final at some point. Just for how to how good those two guys are. Like how they both it's came to the league. When McDavid becomes a Leaf in three years. Well, I mean, honestly, I think it's almost as likely that Matthews becomes an Oiler uh, just based on the fact that his contract is coming up and the Oilers just happen to take every single scrap off the Toronto Maple Leafs that they can. They can't afford him. But, but no, I didn't the story, though. Jack Campbell in the cup final against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Zach Hyman in the Stanley there. Cup final. Like, there's so many ways Cody that can go. Cody that season. would be, well, sure. But that would be by far the most uh, attractive matchup for the NHL. Uh, in terms of a storyline perspective, I think Gary Bettman would still probably rather have, like, Vegas against New oh, York, yeah. I think would likely be what he would be aiming for because big American cities and stuff like that. But I will say this, though. Vegas is going to be a tough out for Edmonton. Oh, like, yeah, it is. Oh, Vegas uh, is just plays. Vegas plays the right way, man. Dude, it depends. Here's my thing. If they call any penalties on Vegas, poor Laurent Boissois going to have to stand in front of that, that power play. You don't believe in the Laurent Boissois revenge tour? No, I, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. Um, it's going to be... Hey, they got to stay out of the box. Vegas has to stay out of the box. No, I, I agree. But do you think that... I just... I don't know. There's something about Vegas, how they're just able to do it every year. It's just... It, it boggles my mind. You know what it is? They have the guys that we always said the Leafs need to have, and now they do. Like, they have a Petrangelo. We have someone similar to that in a Ryan O'Reilly. They have Mark Stone. They have guys that are are just gamers, man. Jack Eichel. You know, well, he this is his first taste of, of the dance, as it were. Phil the Thrill Kessel. Dude was benched. Dude, was he healthy scratched? No, I think he was hurt. Damn. But, I mean, that dude performs in the playoffs. But I will say, like, it's just, it seems like there's just so much openness now that no one really saw kind of two weeks ago when the playoffs started. Oh, this is the Kevin Garnett special, man. Anything's possible. Fucking Seattle's going to play Dallas. Like, the fact that Colorado's not there and Boston's not there, it's pretty It's pretty crazy. Dude, and if the Devils beat the Rangers? Holy fuck. The whole thing's wide open. Yeah, the rain. because I'll say this. The Rangers, out of every team that was left beyond Boston, the Rangers are, are, to me, the scariest team in the East. But they've... I agree with that. Like, Shesterkin has looked very human. Very human. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know. Just the Rangers don't look like they did early, like last year or like earlier in this uh, season. They just look, I don't know. It's weird. You know, when you do, do, it's classic Rangers. When you do too much, I think it's tough to, to get things going. Like they did like Kane, Tarasenko, like they did a lot. And I don't know. I don't know. It reminds me of those 2000 Rangers when they had Lindros, Bray, Pavel Bray, Yager, Kovalev. Like they had, I think, I don't Darkest know. Casperitis. Yeah. Didn't they have um, Bobby Holik? Yeah. Peter Nedley? They had everyone. They, that everyone was like for the cap. And they yeah. just threw money at people. It sounds like something the Maple Leafs did. They did. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. They literally did that with Owen Nolan and Ron yeah. Francis and Brian Leach. Yeah. And- yeah. Coincidentally, the last time the Maple Leafs made it to the second round. This is the first time the Leafs will be in the second round in the salary cap era. Put it that way. Crazy to think about. Um, The other story that we were going to discuss that has salary cap implications is Lamar Jackson is (laughs) signed a five-year contract with the Baltimore Ravens. What? What happened here? And... I honestly thought he was gone. But again, like we were discussing in our previous segment about sometimes you ask for a trade, it doesn't mean you're going anywhere. And Lamar Jackson asked for a trade, wanted out. And the Ravens said no. And they went out and they signed Odell Beckham Jr., which I think was a a strong sign to Lamar that they are deciding to actually give him pieces instead of just saying, here, throw to these random dudes no one's ever heard of. Devin Duvernay, throw the ball to him. There's actually a star wide receiver. Now is Odell Beckham Jr. going to be in the top 25 in wide receivers this year? No. Is he going to be the top 50? Probably not. But he's a name. And I think that's what Lamar's just been asking for. It's like, give me something. Give me just anything to throw the ball to other than Mark Andrews. Like, there's got to be something there. So, nevertheless, I am shocked and surprised that Lamar Jackson is back, but now it's go time. If you're committing to this guy and saying he's going to be your number one quarterback for the next five years, it's time to start spending some money and bringing in some more skilled players to help win. Win now. They're in win now mode at this point. And if you look at the rest of that division, Pittsburgh's in shambles. Uh, I think the Browns are always going to be the Browns. And then you have the Bengals who are very clearly the number one team in that division. So... They yeah. had to find a way to be better than the Bengals. I think Jalen Hurts helped move the Lamar Jackson contract along because his his contract is exactly five million more than Jalen Hurts. So I think the day Jalen Hurts signed, it gave a barometer for where Lamar would want to be with the Ravens, and then it gave the Ravens like I can imagine their negotiations were redonkulous until Jalen signed. Because Jalen and Lamar are very similar players in their, their gameplay style. So you can, you can have kind of a something to point to and say, something like that, sir, but $5 million more. Uh, I don't know where the Ravens are going to get more weapons at this point. So I don't know if they're in win now, but they're definitely in win soon. Like, I would say the next three years it's a five-year deal so i mean i was gonna say in the next five years well obviously that's the length of lamar's contract but it's it 
Cincinnati's going to be a tough out. I heard I heard on a podcast on the, I guess TSN sometimes airs podcasts on the radio instead of actually radio content. Um, I mean, that's a whole other thing too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, then, uh, but they were talking, and the guy was I forget I don't know who was saying it because I couldn't catch who the podcast was, but they were like, Lamar's the best quarterback in the league. And I was like, I'm like, hold up. And they're like, by what metric, sir? <laughs> yeah. I was like, they're like, well, he's the be- who better than him in the AFC? I was like, huh? What? He's like, he goes, he goes, in my mind, it's Lamar, Mahomes, and then Allen. And I was like, was this, this guy clearly sounds like he's like played football or something, but it doesn't sound like he's watched a lot of it. Um, you know, and Lamar might be, and maybe we haven't seen it because the weapons haven't been there for him to perform. But I don't, I don't know. I, and they were like, what about Joe Burrow? He's, and the guy was like, eh, I would look good too throwing to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. And I was like, yeah, but that's the point. Like Aaron Rodgers <laughs> didn't look very good throwing to nobodies. Now he's, there's highlight clips of him throwing to Garrett Wilson that I'm drooling over. So I don't, like that's, you, like players have to also play with players like you're supposed to make the guys better around you but it helps well, if those guys are half sport, decent right? yeah yeah so they have to be half decent you know so i don't know it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting where his first option or first mindset isn't i don't have anyone i have to run the ball do you know what i mean like it'll be nice to see him to say the his him running is a scramble or backup option not a okay, I'm probably going to run it, but I'm going to take a look to see if I can offload this in some way, somehow. Right now, it'll be like, what are my, what's my one, what's my two, what's my three, and then go into potentially running the ball if he needs to. So, I don't know. It is just a weird turn. Like, I do think the Odell thing obviously helps a lot, but it's just, yeah, it's a very odd turn for how it seemed like it was going to go. If there was betting odds... I mean, you probably could have made some money on picking Lamar to stay. What's interesting is I wonder if he 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 forfeited the guaranteed money to be the highest paid player because he's only getting 185 guaranteed. And I know he wanted a fully guaranteed deal, so he didn't get that. But he does become the highest paid player. No one's getting a fully guaranteed deal. Oh. Uh, Deshaun Watson did. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so. But what do you think? Antonio Brown? That was another thing that came out earlier this week was Antonio Brown on Twitter <laughs> said that he has agreed to a contract with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, no one from the Baltimore Ravens has agreed to this contract. So <laughs> I don't know if um, Antonio Brown is being Antonio Brown. I don't think Antonio Brown is going to play another game in the NFL. But my goodness, would that ever be... A collection of clowns. Oh yeah, Lamar, like, Odell, and him. Right, three Stooges. That I, I don't think they would make it out of the second week of preseason before there was some sort Trouble. of issue. Explosions. Oh yeah, Le, oh yeah. Odell's Odell would uh, not have enough cameras on him. AB's helmet wouldn't fit properly. <laughs> and Lamar, his, his, his feet would be frozen for some reason. Just yeah. Yelling then, about touches and Lamar is just running the ball by himself up and down the field. Yeah, and Lamar just arguing about it, being like, well, I want more guaranteed money. I want to renegotiate. 
So, yeah, yeah no, how you're you, right. How do you feel, Dustin? Up. They're your team, man. Do you feel optimistic? Do you feel like, would you have preferred they walked from Lamar? Or, like, you happy with that money going that way? I'm fine with the money. I'm, I would rather they have Lamar than not. Because given the other options right now, it, it would have been Huntley. So. so if they had not... Okay, roll back the clock to the beginning of free agency and the offseason. If not Lamar, then who? Like who? Was there a better option for the Ravens out there that you would have been comfortable with? Not necessarily, because you have to start over with a new quarterback because I don't think... And I'm trying to think of like who the free agent quarterbacks would have been like other than a the only other way it would have worked if they traded for Trey Lance and I don't know how that would have happened but like I'm just trying to think like who would have fit into the offense they have built right now because if they lost Lamar and they went to free agency they're gonna have to build a completely new offense completely new offense for whoever they would have brought in if they brought in Jimmy G like that would have been ridiculous that would never have been a fit offensively so I think this is the best case scenario for the way the Baltimore Ravens are currently built. Is it going to work out? We'll, we'll see. Because <laughs> I'm not convinced that this is going to be a winning formula right now. Um, we shall see. I think they still need a lot of help up front. And honestly, On in secondary. Yeah. <laughs> Probably needs a lot of help too there. I was so. going to say. There's, there's still some work to do for the Ravens. A DB or two, yeah. Yeah, this, this is a couple. Uh, a team that also has a bit of work to do is the Toronto Raptors, who currently do not have a head coach. But earlier this past week, there was a, uh, a headline that came out that the Raptors have requested permission, and I think they've been granted this permission, to interview the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. And if you're wondering who the fuck is the Las Vegas Aces, they play in the WNBA. So that's why you have no idea who this team is. But the head coach is uh, Becky Hammond, who most famously was a assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs and would have been uh, one of the first females to ever be a... No, definitely the first. <laughs> yeah, definitely the first female to ever be uh, on the coaching staff in an NBA team and actually was the acting head coach at one point when uh, Pops got ejected during a game. So... That's Becky's um, career in the NBA. Obviously, like, there's more than that, but that's the headlines of uh, who Becky Hammonds is. Um, Becky Hammond, I should say. I know we all have thoughts on this. This is what I will say quickly. I don't want it to be the case. But I think it's very clearly a case of the Raptors just playing PR. I... Honestly, don't believe Becky Hammond has the chance in hell of getting this job. I think this is a PR move with the Raptors to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. We're interviewing Becky because we feel like uh, everyone is included and we're all inclusive. And uh, um, I don't care about anything about whatever. And everyone's included. And uh, look, we, we interviewed a woman. See, look, we interviewed a woman. We're, we're, we're good guys. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that Becky Hammond gets this job. Not to say that she's not qualified, not to say she doesn't deserve it. I don't know. I have honestly no idea. I just honestly don't think they're actually going to hire Becky Hammond. Is there... 
what would be i know you're saying like the inclusive angle i mean do you i have the clip from from becky i think if you want to hear it when she was asked about here i'll play it hang on how do you manage that with your players, keeping them coming into this camp motivated, looking forward to this season and kind of tuning out anything that they cannot control? Yeah, I, I already made a comment on Toronto and I just said I'm not commenting on Toronto because mm -hmm. this is all about the Aces um, and I won't take one moment away from these women to talk about them boys. <laughs> okay. What do you what do you take from that, James? Not commenting on Toronto is interesting. I don't... If... If she wasn't seriously being considered, I think she would have said more. I think she would have said something like, Toronto's a great place. It looks like a wonderful opportunity. Because I think she'd be trying to sell herself in. That sounds like somebody that... And if she wasn't up for the job i think she would be like something similar to be honest because she doesn't have anything to lose by commenting on it that sounds like someone playing it safe because they have something to lose and i think she knows that she has an opportunity at this gig she's a really good coach she's a really yeah, good I'm not, coach I'm, I'm not suggesting she's not but i i just i just don't see it i honestly don't see the raptors going that direction but i, I could be wrong is there a why why I don't think they are? Yeah. I think this Raptors team needs a head coach with more experience in, in the NBA. I think that's what they need. Now, maybe not. Honestly, I don't know. I'm not like the expert of what NBA coaches in the uh, in, I'm not an expert in NBA coaches. But I think this Raptors team needs someone to kick them in the ass. Then I don't know what Becky brings so so my mindset is this is if we're looking at this as the raptors today there's a good chance that if she's coming in half these guys that were potentially maybe issues with either nick nurse or nick nurse had with them there's a good chance those guys aren't here so she could be starting from scratch with a whole young team so I think having her there with Scotty Barnes year three and OG Ananobi, what year five, that, you know, these guys, it's not like you have potentially Fred Van Vliet who's been there and who's won and arguably the, the face of that team. Do you know what I mean? I, I get it. I just think there's still a hurdle there to be named the first female NBA coach. That's going to put a lot of spotlight on the team. A lot of spotlight on the team. And honestly, Toronto makes a lot of sense for being the team that does that. <laughs> honestly, like I can see them being the team as being like, but I just think that if it's going to happen for Becky Hammond, if she is going to become a, a head coach in the NBA, I can see it being a situation where she is the assistant coach of a team, the head coach gets let go, and she gets promoted into the head coach position. I can see it happening that way. I don't know if I see it happening with her just being named the Raptors head coach. You I think there's a lot that comes with that. And I think it can be a distraction for the team. And again, she might be the best person for the job. And I'm not saying she's not. 
because I honestly don't know if she is, she isn't. But I, I'm just I, saying, I think that decision is a huge milestone moment for professional sports. And I don't know if the world is ready for that yet. I was the, world say, of the NBA is ready for that yet. Can you say that all these Raptors that play on this team would be accepting of Becky? I don't know. I don't know them personally. I don't know if they, I'm just saying, I feel like there are very strong headed male athletes that wouldn't listen to her. So then period. you're essentially, you're essentially shutting the door on that ever happening then. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's ever happening. And I'm just saying, I don't know if we're there yet. You know I, I think it can happen. I think there's avenues for it to happen. I just don't know. Look, listen, how many times this season in the NHL did we see guys refuse to wear a, a fucking rainbow on their sweater? Yeah, I don't and disagree. I like it's ridiculous to do something like that. And for us who are, are in, living in Toronto, we live in a very inclusive world and we're accepting of everyone. It's not a big deal for us, but there's a lot of like southern motherfuckers who play basketball who wouldn't listen to her and that's just the way the world still is it's unfortunate and i wish it wasn't like that and i wish if she was the best candidate for the job that she was given the job and paid equally and that's something we haven't talked about either that could also be interesting if she is given an nba head coach job how much would she be paid yeah, but equals relative to the experience as well, right? As like a first-time head coach, it would probably only be what, like maybe a milli? I don't know. You know I love the though, prices. This team right now, depending on what they do in the offseason, is the perfect team for someone like Becky Hammond to start with. Not a lot of expectations in the, in the beginning of probably a, a new perspective on how to play. Um younger people that she could hold authority over you know a guy like scotty barnes you know these she has a much richer history in the game of basketball than a guy like scotty barnes does so maybe that's works in her favor she has a strong personality in the front office with masai ujiri that can handle a lot of that stuff i don't know man i think it'd be cool I, I, I would. They'd be cool too. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't want it to happen. I'm not saying I don't think she's right for it. I just don't think the world is there yet. I don't. Yeah, and I don't. The the other options like they're talking about Kenny Atkins, uh, Scalario, who used to be a Raptors assistant. Apparently, Milwaukee's now thinking about Budenholzer's job. Is that a guy? You know that that comes here. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's super early too. I mean, the playoffs haven't shaken down yet. Guys will get fired. Like we talked about this before with Nick Nurse. Guys are gonna get fired. You know, Nick Nurse is gonna have to work somewhere. Somebody might fire someone so they can get Nick Nurse. We don't know. Right? So but I don't know. I kinda I kinda hope she gets the gig. I really do. She uh, even in that clip, I like like she doesn't take shit. Which maybe well, she would she's be well, right. yeah. Like, like that—that's just like in the Russian blood of like author, like just be authoritative in the way you speak, right? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it would be it would be cool, but I'm not buying it. I I I just get the impression that the rappers are playing PR. I hope that's not the case, but 
that's that's the vibe I'm getting from it. I, I mean, I don't I don't think so. Like, I don't think Masai is the guy to just do something for the sake of the PR. Like in terms of when it comes to personnel, he's too competitive of a guy. Yeah, I mean, he promoted Nick Nurse as an assistant, first timer. Yeah, and maybe they'll do that again. Maybe. Maybe there's an assistant on the team right now who gets a head coaching job. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. Show. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it's the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his illustrious WWF run. Remember back in the day you could add your custom theme music to Xbox wrestling games because there was no digital rights for streaming. So like, it was, man, imagine if I would put Maven's music in there tomorrow. I would upload that and I would would download a creator wrestler of Maven I would beat the fuck out of The Undertaker every day. That's the one thing that's missing from these modern wrestling games. Because, I, yeah, I remember playing on my Xbox or... I don't know if Xbox 360 I did this, but I definitely did it on WWF Raw. 360 had it, where, yeah. It was on 360? Okay, so... Was it? Raw? Both of them had it. Raw? No, Raw was on the original Xbox, but the other games had it where you could have custom theme music as well. Right, like, I remember... Yeah, so technically I did it on both. Like I know on Raw, I uploaded CDs and ripped songs yep. off that. But um, for NHL, whatever year the on my song. Xbox 360, like I remember I had like Zune playlists of like one particular song. Like a, it was like Leafs goal song, Zune playlist, and there was like Zombie Nation or whatever. And then you can go in and set a playlist as a goal song. And yeah, that was that was really cool. Those, I, I miss I miss that. I think wrestling games are missing that because the presentation of professional wrestling is such a big part of it now. And to not have like their actual entrance music is missing a key component on your creative suite. Yeah, they should just have streamer mode. Is there's a streamer mode on the game now where you can turn it there on is. and it takes all the licensed music out. So uh, before we get to our shout outs, I would like to say that uh, Jose Barrios has thrown nine pitches so far and it's already a two nothing lead for Boston. He's got nobody out. So oh, that's fun. But to uh, <laughs> kick off our shout outs, my shout out goes to one Scotty to hottie who was uh, on the smash wrestling events this past weekend. And he was a really nice dude. And he did. a. I won't go into specifics, but he did some things he didn't need to do. And help some guys he didn't need to help. And that's always cool when you see veterans come in and do stuff they don't have to do. And genuinely take an interest in some of the younger guys and trying to help them and doing um, things that is not required of them. That they just did because they feel like it's the right thing to do. So, Dude, shout out to Sky to it. Former NXT coach, right? So, Right, exactly. And there's a lot of guys that I said, like, hey, go to Scotty and ask him questions. Like you, sh- like this guy is a wealth of knowledge. You need to tap into it while he's here. Mm-hmm. Jim, um, mine's probably going to be the same as Maddie's, but uh, if it's not, sweet. 
Um, my sh- we already kind of mentioned it in the show. Shout out to Patrice Bergeron. Like if this is it, then my God, again, K- Team Canada, th- Bruins Cup, again played Multiple every Selkies. So yeah, played every game the right way. Like for a team that you love to hate, you can't. You just can't hate that guy because he was just, you know, he was never soft. He was never, but he was never a dick. Um, any team would love to have him. Prototypical, you know, two-way center. Like I said earlier in the show, just, just a beauty of a hockey player. So, if this is it. And like again, every series, every every year, we're always like, "What did Patrice Bergeron play with this year? Punctured lung? They should have that on Sports Interaction or FanDuel. What injury did Patrice Bergeron play with? Punctured lung plus five hundred. Um, but yeah, shout out to that dude because if he doesn't come back for another go round, incredible. And if he comes around to you know one more year and he ends up with a Canadians, he can go fuck himself. <laughs> I don't think you would do it, but um, honestly, it was it was mine too, just because of how classy of a guy he was. Like, if you were to, if someone were to say, "Give me a name that embodies what being a hockey player is," it would be Patrice Bergeron for sure. Um, he did everything, like you said, the right way, um, and just through it all, just a hundred percent class act. Like never, you know, he played hard, but he didn't play dirty. He, you know, he wasn't like a vocal type guy where, you know, he would have like the loud speech in the room. He just, he went out there, did his work and just people just gravitated towards him. And it's why he was named the successor after Chara to be captain. And I don't think there, I think it that was a foregone conclusion that everyone knew once Chara left, it was going to be him, but I just think that nowadays where athletes kind of get put on these pedestals and you can kind of see them get to their head a lot of the time. Um, it's to see this guy, you know, kind of just be the model citizen of an athlete is, you know, and like you said, if it's, if this is the end for him, then man, what a career. It's scary to think about like the Bergeron and Crosby were like tied to the hip in international play for a long time. And I always think about that because Crosby was born the same year I was. So now all these guys around my age are retiring. I'm like, damn. End of an era, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're going to start seeing a lot of them, eh? Like for us, it's going to be like the Sid, the Ovechkins and shit like that, that it's just, it's a crazy time to think that we're damn. seeing the guys we grew up loving to watch play just, you know, start to call it quits. Start to fade into the sunset, much like we're about to do for this episode. Thank you for joining us for another edition of 43.6, which, of course, was brought to you by Now Your Treasures. And we will see folks next week. Till next time, take care of yourself and each other. Yeah.